Welcome to this week's episode of Uncovered for Pole Dancers, a podcast created by pole dancers for pole dancers. I'm your host, Stephanie Quinn. Before we dive into this week's episode, I would love to give a special shout out to this week's sponsor, Pole Fitness Studios Instructor Certification Program, designed by the world's first ever pole dancing instructor, Bornia. You can find out more information about their instructor certification programs in the link in the show notes. Welcome to Uncovered. So today I'm joined by Kat. Welcome back to the podcast, Kat. Thank you. So Kat and I are just having a couple of chat episodes today. I'm actually really excited to just talk (laughs) about pole. (laughs) And um, the first episode we're going to talk about is questions instructors are always asked. So both Kat and I are instructors. Um, So I've been teaching since 2015. When did you start? Oh, it's instructing. I feel like it's been six, maybe coming up seven years. Okay. So we've, we've maybe we've been around for a while, oh, well, yeah. a while. And there's always these questions you get asked by students. Some of them are good questions um, because they want to learn and they want to know. And others of them are just funny. Some um, are funny. Some are hard because are there's hard. not a clear cut answer. There's a lot of it depends. Depends. Is that, oh, that's like spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to throw out a little disclaimer here. We are answering these questions purely based on our own experiences as both students and instructors. And for some of these questions, if you're really interested, we would recommend going and speaking to, you know, potentially a physio or an exercise physiologist, or in some cases, a therapist, whatever it is that you need um, throughout this. But I think another important thing to start off with is your instructors do have a um, scope of operation. So they're only allowed to practice within this scope. And that is generally, generally speaking, they can't diagnose you. They can't mm-hmm. give you rehab ep- exercises and they can't take you through a therapy session generally speaking, even if they're qualified, they can't because when they're in the studio, they're in the studio as an instructor and their scope of practice as an instructor is obviously to take you through a group workout session, generally speaking, or a one-on-one. Yep. They might be able to talk about things they've noticed or like people's experiences or their own experience, but not actually go, well, I know what's wrong with you. Yeah, you need to go go do X, Y, Z. We just had Simone in the studio. Well, she wasn't in the studio, but online for um, professional development recently. And we did hypermobility. Mm. And one of the questions, (laughs) that was a good one. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I've got to touch base with you since then. Mm. We, I just said like, what is it? And what is our role as an instructor? If we notice somebody's hypermobile and it's impacting them. And it's essentially just like, have you heard about this? Have you thought about it? Here's some resources. I can make some recommendations for um, professionals if you need. So that like gives you an idea of the scope of an instructor. But anyway, shall we jump into the first question? Let's go. First question. How many times a week should I be training or going to pole class? Get this one a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, And I think I want to start with whatever your decision is, you need rest and recovery. Because this is very mm-hmm. much an it depends. Yeah, definitely. It depends on, Kat brought up a really um, good point. Yep. What, what are your goals? Yeah. Yeah. What do you actually want to get out of pole? Because for some people, 
training once a week, having that social time or that little bit of me time is all, that's all you need. Mm. If you, if your end goal is to compete or to become a really high level pole dancer, once a week is probably not going to cut it. Um, but then but also 15 hours a week is not good either. Yeah. What can your body tolerate depending on the rest of your lifestyle, depending on your own body, any things that you've already got going on for it? Yeah. Family um, your, life, work schedule. cycle sometimes comes oh, into play. I'm like the week me. before my period, I don't want to do anything. And then like one or two days after my period, I can take on the world. So I'm about to transition into that mode. Yeah. I'm like, bring it on. I'm excited. Mm. Um, but also like what progression rate would you be satisfied with? I had somebody recently, they're looking at opening their own studio and we were chatting and she was talking about our memberships and because we don't have a one class a week option. We do if you buy a casual, but you can't just come do your beginner one class, let's say, and that's it. Well, you could, if, but you would have to buy two class passes to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's our minimum membership. And she's like, do you find this deters people? And yes, it definitely does deter potential new students. However, what I've generally found is people who are only doing that one class a week will typically um, fall off at some point in time because they get a bit stuck, especially in those intermediate levels. So they can't progress. And in saying that, I don't know what they're doing outside of the studio because that's another thing you have to take into consideration. Mm. They could be training five times a week outside the studio, so they're maintaining muscle. And pole is your add-on, not yes. the other way around where some people might do three classes of pole a week and then they might do one gym session. Yeah, one dance class elsewhere or, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you can um, complement your training with dance classes, gym classes, um, gym whatever sessions. you want. Yeah, whatever yeah. you want. Yep. It really comes back to how fast do you want to progress and what do you want that to look like? Are you, if you're protecting yourself for an injury, how are you recovering well? Mm. And yeah. What do, do you, you want to add stress? For? to your life or are you trying to reduce stress? Like you have to think about, mm. you know, if you're trying to get to, for me, if I tried to get to class three times a week and that's three times I need to make sure my partner's home from work and I've got, you know, little one looked after, like I feel like that would be adding more stress to my life. Yeah. So it's like I've had to balance how many times to get to pole mm. in with everything else. So yeah, and mm. I know that my um, ability to pole has definitely changed as things have occurred with my body. And when I used to be able to probably do three times a week and multiple classes in that three times a week, now it's like one session a week is probably all my body can take mm. on. So it's going to move and change as you progress and depends what's going on in your pole journey. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Next one. We, mm. we wrote a lot of dot points for this. We did, yeah. Um, I feel stuck in my pole progress. What can I do differently? Mm. I think we've all been there, right? Yeah. A few times. Yeah, I find it. The answer is not enter a competition. Oh, have you done that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Actually, oh, no. I did that. Yeah. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah. I feel like. And then I brought a pole dancing studio when I thought I was going to quit pole dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, okay. Sometimes if, especially if you are and you've hit that advanced thing, advanced polling and you're kind of like, am I pushing myself hard enough to get to that elite kind mm. of level? Do I want to become an elite pole dancer? 
Do I want to work hard enough? Will my body allow me? All that stuff. Sometimes there's a motivation point. Mm. So getting stuck could be down to motivation. And I think that's where I entered a pole competition was in the hope that that would be the motivating factor for my training. Yeah. What pole competition was this? Which one was it? I feel like it was QPC. The year we were all in? Yeah. Oh, that was full on. Yeah. And it was like a month after, I think it was my first big stage comp. Mm, But it was probably a a month or two after our in-studio comp. Yeah, I think so. And it all just got really close together. And then I was really late with picking my music and then somebody else had a variation of it. And so I was that person, you know how the rules say you can only have one person, so get your music in early. Yeah. Yeah, I learned this the hard way. Oh, trying to tell that to students. Mm, Yeah. And then I had three, it was three weeks out. And I had to train your entire, change your whole routine. Yeah, I changed my whole concept and I went, screw this, I'm just going to be a Disney princess. <laughs> and that is how my, I would, had been to see the movie Beauty and the Beast and that's how I became Belle. And that's, that's how Belle so then became Dirty, Dirty Belle. Belle for yeah, Kiss It Dirty, Dirty routine, which yeah. is like our... That Filthy. was actually really fun. That was really fun. Yeah. But coming back to the coming back yeah. to if you're stuck, mm, try something different. Yeah, if you're always a tricks person, mm. could you go do a um, choreo class? Mm-hmm. Also, coming back to our question before, the how many times a week should I be training or going mm. to pole class? I think this is a um, valid point to add to that as well as what type of classes are you doing? Are you just doing strength classes uh, or mm. strength tricks? Choreo. Um, Do you need to vary flexi. that? Yeah. Can yeah. you switch that up so you're not just training really hard? Um, I find with pole too, we seem to train, like you go to the gym for an hour, you do your thing and you leave. But I find with pole, people, do multiple two or three hours classes. are generally mm. a thing. Anyway, it's a little side note. But mm. coming back to, yeah, if you're stuck, like try something different. Mm-hmm. I also said when try I came- a different instructor. Yeah. Or yep. a different studio. Mm-hmm. Yep. I said when I came back postpartum, it was going to be the year of choreo for me because I, I knew that. straight away that I was going to feel frustrated at not being able to just pull out my old moves when mm-hmm. climbing was really hard. Yep. And it didn't actually take me too long to get some of my advanced moves back, but my intermediate moves in the middle and skin grip pain was just intolerable like intolerable. So um, just moving and dancing was a nice way to get me out of feeling stuck because mm. I could progress in my dance um, without worrying about the tricks and that just came later. Yeah, I found um, it wasn't until I got an injury where the stuck feeling came through and that's mm. when I did also enter a competition. I was actually <laughs> coming back from an injury. <laughs> coming back from an injury. I was actually ready. I was stop I stopped training. Mm. I think once I became an instructor, I found it really hard in classes um to actually be in classes and learning a lot about myself now. I much prefer a one-on-one approach than a be in a class to learn approach. Um, but yeah, I've, I struggled with that. So I was still teaching, but I was like, what am I actually doing? Am I just holding on to this? And we've done podcast episodes on this before onto this identity. Mm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do kiss it dirty. And I've got this concept. 
if I don't love it, I'm done. And then, yeah, throughout that process, the studio came up for sale. Long story short, I'm still here. Yeah, you <laughs> obviously. <are. laughs> um, so switching your focus. Switching your focus. Trying something new. Is it just your mindset? Like, are you being really mm. hard on yourself? Are you saying you can't progress? Are you scared because now you're an intermediate and it's a lot of upside down and you don't actually feel comfortable being mm. upside down on the pole? Or advanced is a really overwhelming level to be in because... There's just so much new stuff being mm. created. And generally speaking, as an advanced polar, you have those foundations. So you can see something on Instagram. Mm, I was just thinking. Yeah. yeah. You can see yeah. something on Instagram. And generally speaking, you can get into it. But there is a lot. And sometimes mm -hmm. at that level, you get to that point and you and your pole buddies might be going in different directions. So refocus it. Like, who are you training with? Could you switch up your training crew? Like, could you train with somebody else? Yep. And I think sometimes we get really, at no matter what level, people can be really self-critical. Oh, yeah. So you might think you're not making any progress at all. But you actually are. But you are. So noticing those little steps along the way can be really hard. And that's where um, getting your coach and actually having a chat to them. So talking to one of your instructors mm. or a training buddy that you – you, you honestly like trust what they say. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't go to someone who's just going to go, no, you're doing amazing. If that's not what you're looking for. Yeah. If you are looking for that, find the person who can give that to you. But if you're not and you want an honest assessment of how you're going so you can trust it, ask someone to watch you train, have a chat to them, get them to watch you do a trick or two and go, all right, this is my video from a month ago. This is the trick I'm doing now. What can you see? Yeah. Because sometimes, oh, and he's saying that video. Oh, yes, video. Take videos. Yes, track your journey. Mm. Like we do, there are tracking apps for everything you do in the gym, right? So why not track your progress? Mm -hmm. Does your trick, are your toes actually now pointed in in um, your climb, like both of them? Because generally the back foot is flexed. Mm. How are you actually feeling in your invert? Um, how, are you looking lighter? in yes. your moves. So your strength has improved and you don't necessarily feel it, but the audience watching you would see that difference yeah. if they compared them side by side. And like, is your micro bend now gone out of your knees when you do your aerial invert with both legs straight? Have you stopped, you know, dumping or hanging yeah, in joints, whereas yeah. you might not have realized that. Um, I know 10 years ago, we went, when I first started training, we weren't using video all that much because the I don't quality, think was, they were great. They were, <laughs> my first Instagram posts. Do we, well, iPhones were around then, yeah? Yeah, I think I had some kind of Android something. I didn't I really know. take videos or photos of anything. That's no. kind of when I started. And I have very few recordings of anything that I did early on. And now I wish I had them. Oh, I tell my trial girls if they feel comfortable to take photos. Yeah. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. you either one day you're going to want to look back in this if you become a pole dancer today and you're going mm -hmm. to want to see how far you've come. Mm -hmm. Or one day you'll look back and then be like, oh, that time I did that one pole class. Yeah. Tell your grandkids about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, yeah, fun. Um, but yeah, like what else are you doing? Is there something that might be impacting you that is happening mm -hmm. outside? What's going on in your life? Do you have a lot of stress going on? Um, the other thing that can really impact you or get you stuck is your mobility. Are you now at a point where your mobility is actually or lack of hindering you? Or sometimes mm. 
your hypermobility also hindering you, which is, yeah, yep. your range, is it hindering you and what you're doing? And I feel like girls in flexi class would probably bring this up a bit too around, I'm feeling stuck in my splits mm. or I'm feeling stuck in my back bends. Like sometimes not just your instructor, but you might actually need a medical professional or a physiotherapist, somebody to assess your body and your movement mm. and go, yeah, you've actually got some limitations here, but this is what you can do about it. Yep. If you really want to progress in that area, that's something you mm. need to consider. Yeah. And um, like I also, yeah, like yeah. how dedicated are you to, um, I know it might be a harsh question, but how dedicated are you actually to your pole journey and progressing? And if you're not that dedicated, yeah. that's okay. You just need to determine that. Yeah, you need to switch your focus up so yeah. that you're not feeling as stuck in what yes. you're doing. Can you take a non-graded pathway in your studio? So mm. we've got a vertical curriculum where, you know, you're basically you being step assessed up. to step up. Yeah. But we also have options for people who don't want to do that. Yeah. So do you need to switch it up and go into that or do you need to not do a course class for a little bit and remove some of that pressure and experiment with movements and things outside? Mm. Because do you might find, lesson. yeah. So many things. So many things. Yep. Yep. There's like half the podcast already there and we still have 20 questions to go. No, that's right. Let's go. Let's go. We can do this. We can do this. Um, what exercises should I be doing outside of pole class or the studio to help me get my invert or stronger for pole? Kat, what do you do outside the studio? This is where I said Steph is qualified to answer this question. Um, at the moment, other than the random handstand in my backyard – or lifting a 15 kilo small child. I don't really do anything outside of pole at the moment. Have you ever? Training. Uh, yep. For a while there, I did do um, a lot of strength work in the gym. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, that was probably when I was at my most advanced as well. Yeah. So it definitely, definitely doing the strength training, cross training at the gym. Mm. Um, yeah, me too, actually. Definitely improved, especially my overhead push mm. um, for handsprings, Aisha's. I was working towards an INX, um, even working on an aerial handspring at one point. Yeah, wow. But that was all gym. Yeah. Strengthening those shoulders and, yeah, targeted. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I will say here is go and look at the pole physio blogs especially about particular tricks when she does her anatomy series they have so many exercises into those um, that are specific to that particular trick but the way we think about it in the studio and if this was one of my students who I was in a level class with and they came up to me and they asked me this question is mm -hmm. in each of our levels we have what we call strength movements um, and we do them in every class and they progress as you go up and we have a movement for a push we have a movement for a overhead push, um, core movement, a vertical and horizontal pull. So they're like the ones that we would say, here is what you are, here is what we're working on in class. Do this at home a couple of times a week. You probably only need to do it twice a week maybe, depending on your body, um, to help you feel a little bit stronger. However, there's also other things like that doesn't take into account anything like, so you've got your typical movements for your legs, but then you've got a ductus squeeze, like ex being comfortable in external rotation. Glute strength. Glute strength. It, there, there's a quite a few elements. So look, to answer that one, I would say look at something like the pole physio. She's got so many 
blogs and free exercises um, for them. But if, yeah, think about the elements and what you want to strengthen in. Are you in advance and you're starting to do your Aisha and you're struggling in that hand, that top hand, bottom hand technically, the one that's over your head? Mm. Does that mean you have to work on your overhead push? Do you need to do that? Are you struggling to push away from the pole? Do you need to work on your, your, um, would this be like, I don't know what level this is. I'm like, like a push up. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Are you failing in your glutes? Like what is the area? So feel, get a little bit self aware and feel what you're struggling with and add that to it. Yep. Um, next question. Mm. <laughs> when do the bruises stop? Maybe never. Maybe never. Mine's have never stopped. They've eased, but they've never stopped. Mine have definitely reduced from when I first started. Um, however, if I'm learning something new mm. and I'm hitting a different part of my body or I'm revisiting something, I know I'm going to get a bruise today from doing funky grip. Yeah. Because it is something that I have not I touched. I grip and it's like right up in there in that yep. soft spot. I get lots of like um, bruises or they look like hickeys on mm. my crop top line, like my sports bra. Mm. Yep. That's definitely on. Yeah. Yeah. I generally say to beginners when they ask that question, I'm like, they'll move Around depending what, yeah, the, depending what you'll get used to one and then it'll end up somewhere else. But there's obviously a population of the pole world who, um, will continue to just have bruises no matter what they do. It's mm -hmm. just their skin. Um, it's the way their body is. So yeah, I think. There's, it's important to consider like, is your technique correct? Like if yeah. you're finding you're getting bruises that are like intolerable or mm. you're just getting them in the same spot every time, it might be worth getting somebody to check your technique. Are you passionate about dance? Do you want to teach pole dancing or open up your own studio? My name is Fanya Mundy and I began teaching pole dancing in 1994 and my focus is helping people like you fulfill their pole dancing dreams. We all have a journey and perhaps your path is in enrolling in my pole dance instructor certification. Visit my website for more info at polefitnessstudio.com. Because um, mm. you could be sitting, you could be loading into a particular area more than you need to. You might not be pulling through your arms enough and so you're getting a bruise somewhere. Um, but also then what can you do to help the bruising? Did you, know? you do the whole Arnica cream thing? I tried, but Me I too. had too many bruises and I just gave up. I know Pole Physics have a um, lotion with Arnica cream in it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But no, I did. I tried that for a period of time and then I just learned to embrace them. Yeah. The worst one I ever got was when I first learned to do an Allegra. Oh, yes. And we had a oh. guest instructor, Phoebe, came and we did one and I just got this instant blue bruise on the inside of my thigh the minute I grabbed around my leg and stretched out into it. And it was one of those ones that made you want to vomit oh. the minute. I don't know if you've ever no, experienced No, I've never that. had that experience. And I got down from the pole and she took one look at me and went, yeah, you're going to want to ice that. And <gasps> instantly I sat with an ice pack between my thighs for probably 10 more minutes. And then I didn't touch that trick again for years, years I don't think, because it just, I, it just caught me the wrong way. When I caught up instant. with Simone recently, I was telling her about 
um, us recording this podcast actually. And I was talking about one, which we'll get to later. And when I started learning, I put out Allegra in my first ever poll expressions routine. Mm. And that part of my leg actually went numb. Apparently that's not a good thing. No, it's not. <laughs> that's a nerve thing. I know. Right? And like, I've got feeling sensation back there, but now, but from training it a lot, wow. I just like obviously damaged Something. the nerves. Yeah. So I damaged it too, but it just went blue. Yeah. Mine's just like, I had a pole like pinch mark almost on oh, the this, inside of my thigh. This actually works, goes really well into the, when will it stop hurting? And that uh, was what I was talking to Simone yeah. about. She said she, it's in her blog and she said it will desensitize like your, uh, your nervous central, your central nervous system will start to get used to what you're doing. Yeah. In no other, well, there probably are other sports, but I had, I was teaching a trial last night and the girl's like, Oh, it really hurts. I'm like, you're putting your body onto a metal pole. Mm. It's not, not too many other times in your life do you actively push yourself into something like that. Mm. Maybe trigger pointing and stuff. Well, I have a, I have a martial arts background. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said not many other sports, I was like, no, martial probably. Arts. I think any sport where there's some kind of full contact. Yeah. I which guess I rugby, think like, tackling. Yeah. So I just think about the number of times that I would have gotten kicked or we had like shin to shin contact oh. or, you know, top of the foot to elbow contact or something in Taekwondo. And you, your body did physically stop reacting. Like you knew it had happened, but you mm. didn't get like those alarm bells ringing in your head going, oh my God, I can't continue. Yeah, and I guess like you think Poles about similar. Yeah, I think too when you think about being tackled in league or union, you sort of learn how to one take the tackle, um, and two like I'm a shooting going. I sh- well, I used to. I was such a tomboy. I used to play uh, football play on the field. Yeah, definitely. And Kick then me in the head, fine, but don't tackle me to the ground. Yeah, and then often like we would um, like be tackled into the pool. Growing up, anyway, I was very much a tomboy. Rough and tumble. Yeah. Rough and tumble. So I think, yeah, your nervous system becomes accustomed to it on yeah. the pole. Probably like getting used to being on a spinner. That's another good question, oh, actually. The like, dizziness. Yeah, like building some kind of tolerance to that. Yeah, I'm still building mine back up again. As yeah. I am with the skin grip pain as well. So yeah. coming back postpartum, only really training one or teaching once a week, mm. maybe getting in a second time. So I'm really only maintaining. I'm yeah. not improving. So a lot of my grip points, I am absolutely there with all of my students when they're like, ow, this hurts. That's me as well. But I do find that little bit of adrenaline that kicks in as an instructor yeah. or a competitor mm-hmm. on stage, I don't feel as much. Yes. When I train, I feel every little bit. Yeah, I'm a really bad student. This comes into one of the other questions. This does come into one of the other questions. So we'll we'll hold off for that. (laughs) Um, What happens if I can't lift myself? Mm. Why do I feel so heavy? I feel like every trial class is always one. And it said more of a statement than a question. And it's a, oh, I don't, I couldn't lift my body. Yeah. This is, I can't get back to the ground. It's okay. Yeah. That's where we, that's where we, typically start unless you have a full strength background or maybe mm. a gymnastics background. Um, 
most people don't can't lift themselves. And that's normal. And like um we had Rosadiva on. It'll probably be by the time I release this episode, it'll be the last week's episode. And she was actually talking about inverts and getting this your your butt over your head. Like mm. it's a hard movement. And I think that's where a lot of people start to feel this is being able to engage through that core and that pelvic tilt to be able to get your butt and using your horizontal pull and your vertical pull or whatever to get your butt over your head. All synchronized. All synchronized. Yeah. It's a hard movement. And um, I'm pretty sure in that episode we talked about like it obviously is a depends where you are. It's a beginner. A lot of people are teaching this in their beginner movements, but mm. it is a hard um, thing to learn and mm. you are going to feel heavy and it's not always just going to be at the start of your pole journey. It could be after coming back from three weeks holidays. Mm. You f- your body feels heavy. It feels sluggish. It could be after, after doing half of a class or if you're doing a comp routine after the first 45 seconds of your routine yeah, or earlier, depending on what you're doing, <laughs> you hit that point where you're like, whoa, the rest of this is really hard now. Yeah. You hit that point in class or, And generally when students come to you with that, it is, uh, okay, like what's going on? Do we have to build your strength in these areas? Um, You know, if you're not doing any other strengthening and you are a beginner, it's like, have you actually exercised in the last couple of years? Mm. Like this is just going to take some time. Your body just needs to catch up to what you're doing. Mm. Um, And we've obviously got strengthening exercises you could use to help do that. Or work around with some alternatives, like yeah. lowering down into the move. Instead yeah, of to get especially up once into you get it. into intermediate. Work. Yeah, yeah, use your stronger muscles. Use your most beginner moves. We're mm. using our legs to get up. We're not going upside down straight off the bat in our curriculum anyway. So mm. we use those stronger big muscles we have um, to push ourselves up Yeah, rather than try and pull, pull. ourselves yeah. to start with. Yeah, um, and even teaching, I taught a lady sit last night where you can – that for those of you who don't know what a lady sit is, you're beside the pole, you put your inside knee onto the pole and then you lift your outside leg over and it's like your legs are crossed and you sat on the mm-hmm. pole. Mm-hmm. I think that's a half decent explanation. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you can do it. So you sink down into it and then bring your leg up, but you can also do it by pulling through your arms and bringing your legs up. So mm-hmm. there are different ways of getting into tricks. So, and you know what? There was some people who will never invert. And that's okay. Mm. It just depends what your pole journey is. Mm -hmm. Well, and you can become, you can get inverted Mm. through multiple pathways. We think of an invert as the typical tucking, lifting up, straddling into it, but you can get into an upside down inverted position without actually going up and over. Yes. So for some people. Yeah. That's. And this all comes back to what's your purpose and. Why are you in Poland? What are your goals? Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, how long until I can do the splits? Why am I so mm. inflexible? How long does it take? It, it depends. depends. Yeah. And that's really hard from a mindset point of view, Some right? people will never get their splits. Yeah. There are, yeah, like there are literally people who physically are incapable. The other question is this. And pole dancers might find this really hard to struggle, might struggle with this, but do you need to split? Like when I hurt my hamstring and went to the physio, just a, you know, my closest regular one, not really aware of pole that much. He was like, why do you need to split? 
And I was like, what's because like your mobility's already yeah. like, it's like you can pretty much like touch the ground, like standing forward fold, like you've got past the regular mobility and flexibility. Because I want to. And I was like, because I could already do it and I'm a pole dancer and I need it. Yeah. Probably don't need it. Well, um, it just depends what you want to do, right? Like yeah. I do remember being an advanced pole dancer in our top levels and not being able to split. Mm-hmm. I found that really hard to be in those classes. I could hold all the movements. I could just never split. But is that because you were comparing yourself to everybody else that was splitting? Yeah, probably. And because I wanted to do the trick the way the trick is mm, prescribed. Not a variation of it. Yeah. Yep. And so I can understand like why people, when you do give those variations because of a limitation to a student, I can understand why they go, oh, but I want to be doing that. I want to be with all well, the cool kids over there. Like yeah. I'm not doing the cool thing. So do your conditioning, do your yep. stretching yep. and consult. And specialist if you need it. Yeah. Like we've had Ellie from Flexercise on here, obviously Simone from the pole physio and her team. If you're struggling, like reach out to those guys um, because so many things come into your splits. It's not just your muscles. It's your mobility in your joints. It's your nerves. Um, and are you actually, let's be real, are you actually training enough to mm, do I this? was going to say be prepared for any of these things. That if you're actually asking yourself these questions, yeah, some self-reflection and even checking yourself. Like I know I went through a period where I was like, I just want to be able to iron X. Yeah, yeah. And I was working on it in class and one of my instructors was like, you do not pull through your top hand nearly enough to even, like, I don't even know how your hand's springing. And I was like, (laughs) I just want to cry. And I had to do so much work just to correct that. And like, I had to check myself and go, yeah, really? How much work do I actually get do on this? Yeah, And that was really hard. Yeah, I mean, and it was hard to hear, but I needed it. I've whenever I train for splits, I'm just like, oh well, I just get injured. So like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Literally, my mindset around splits, Um, Mm -hmm. and like that has remained true (laughs) until this day. (laughs) I always seem to do something, but now learning it's my body. So it's now how how to cater to my body in those movements. But it's taken me a while to get there. However, yeah, it's really do you actually want to put the training in that is required? to do it and are you required to do it smart and and not push yourself into it all of the advice to look after yourself Mm. while you're doing it yeah yeah it's not everybody is hard I'm pretty sure like there are people out there who you look at I'm pretty sure Maddie Sparkles has always said it took her forever Mm. to get her splits Mm -hmm. and she is like her well obviously Felix Kane is the other one comes to mind and Amy Mm. Hazel but when I think about flexibility and Polly, she's one of those people I think about. Training, guys, training. Mm. Ask around too. Yeah. But just be careful of like ask around but not with a comparison but just to like gain some perspective. Mm. Yeah, because there will be people who get them really quickly and there will be other people who have been training years. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yep. Um. Okay. Oh, Oh, no, I skipped ahead then. When will I feel sexy? I think, like, how often in your life do you feel sexy now? Like, I feel like a person who's asking this question doesn't often feel sexy. 
I know for me as a beginning pole dancer and I would like watch my instructor and I was like, she looked so sexy. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like how do you move like that? Yeah. How do you have the confidence to do that? Like I felt so uncoordinated from martial arts. I was like stiff as a board, like doing a body roll took me, I reckon I was probably like six months or more in mm. before I even figured out that movement. Um, so for me, that was really like, that does not like, give me 10 drinks and get me on the dance floor <laughs> with like a hundred people around me and drop it sure, like I, yeah, sure <laughs> I felt sexy, but standing in a class. Yeah, definitely not. I, yeah, I, one of the things I want to say is that I think everybody signs up for pole and wants to be sexy. And Mm-mm, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, actually. But then it I came when I saw did. people being sexy. I was like, Ooh, yeah, I might want some of that. I mean, when I started, like the pole gym was much more fitness based. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. their advertising had sneakers and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the school that I started at, or the studio I started at, you did think all your classes were in heels. Mm. So it was a – You were kind of drawn to that. Yeah, well, there weren't too many options. Yeah. But I, I think there was a part of me who was drawn to that as well as the really strong side. Um, but I would say there's still very many days where I dance pole that I don't feel hmm. sexy. Yep. Even though I'm trying to. It just it isn't coming out. Just, but you know why though? Because yeah. I'm really hard on myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say my yeah. answer to this too yeah. is – when do I feel sexy? When can you get out of your own way? Yeah. When are you going to stop the negative self-talk mm, to be like, get uh, out of your head? Yeah. And what is your definition of sexy? Mm. I think that's really important because for some people, you know, going to the gym, pumping some weights and feeling mm. like really strong makes them feel sexy. For other people, it is taking a central class and touching yourself and mm. being in the heels, being in something that makes you feel sexy. Um, so I think first of all, you need to identify what makes you feel sexy and what sexy is to you. Yes. Like what those, for me, it's that confidence, like really watching people, like they look like they're really, really owning it. Yeah. And I'm like, or they look like they feel sexy, whether Mm. they do or not is another thing. But my perception is that they feel that because they're just giving off this Good energy. Yeah. So I think for me, like, that's when it kind of came for me is like, I finding that style that mm. resonated with me, which if anyone's ever been in my class um, or seen my it's kids very at cheesy. Dirty, yeah, it's very cheesy or it's very overt, like in your face, sexy. Yeah. Um, there's nothing subtle it's a about like it. Over it's, the top. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's because I could like, be a character almost, mm. and in most cases, I've been a very unusual character. But I've like bring <laughs> this- her gadgets. <laughs> I still love that routine. Oh, that routine was great. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but coming back to that, is like try different styles mm. and try different instructors because you know even just looking at the, our instructor team and the different styles of curry they do, even though it's all sexy, some is hard style, some is fast, some is a. Some is super slow and central. Some is what you would call that typical pole dancing sexy. Mm. Like there's so many different styles and it's just what. And so many styles of music. Yes. Like some people can look sexy dancing to 
I don't know who's an like Eminem or uh, yeah, and then yep. other people can look sexy dancing to Billy Joel. I don't know. I just <laughs> now now watch me. I was going to say now watch me go through a Billy Joel playlist and find something to dance to. That sounds like I like the unusual stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like you just it's up to you what makes you feel sexy. Mm. Um, but when will you feel it? When you're probably out of your head and you've made your own definition for sexy and, and you've stopped okay. over sometimes doing a pole shoot is good Ooh, for this yeah i've assisted in a couple of the uh in studio shoots we've done recently with our students and just them looking at themselves with a good photographer and they're just like holy shit I is that had, what i look like i even had that like, moment really? recently yeah. i never screenshot in your photo you like, i still can't believe this is me like mm, actually the last pole shoot i did as well yeah I remember having those moments like, ah, oh, do I look that good? Do I look like that? Ah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah so because I, we look at ourselves differently to how everybody else looks at us. Yeah. And to be honest, we never look at ourselves like everybody else looks at us because ours is always like a mirror, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I, how do you make it look so easy? Instructor adrenaline mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's a thing. It like, is a thing. I know I can teach a what we call a strength and tone class, which is an exercise class. And I can whip out, you know, however many squats are in my prescribed program that day and do it with ease. And then if I'm an While talking. While talking, while yeah. motivating you, while getting really excited and throwing all those cliches out. Um, but then feel the burn. Feel the burn. Yeah. <laughs> you got this. Your mind gives up before your body. <laughs> um, but then I will be a student and do the exact same thing. And damn, it sucks. Mm-hmm. I want to give up after like 10. Mm-hmm. I think it's like you just hit this zone. Yeah. And that adrenaline kicks in or whatever it is in your mindset. I kind of think when I'm instructing, it's almost like I'm performing. Mm. So I just, I don't know, I just have this slightly it is different hyper performance, right? I also don't feel the skin grip pain as much. Yeah. Similar thing. It's just that like little extra mm. thing. It always looks easier when I'm demoing it to others. Yeah. Than when I'm doing it as a student. Also, I know with beginners, I've been teaching a lot of beginners in like recent years and I'll show you them something. I'm like, why do you make it look so easy? I'm like, I've been pole dancing for 12 years or 10, mm. 11 years. I hope I make it look easy. If I don't make this look easy, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. So yep. you, you would want to hope that you're in repetition, right? Yeah. Repetition and good technique, consistency, good technique. You've worked out like on most occasions, you've got like grip, right? You've got your sweat. Mm grip ratio happening you know what clothing to wear yeah you know you've kind of learned all of those things where things are looking easier and I often tell my trial girls when I have them too like that's part of the art of pole yes is doing something until other people think that what you're doing is easy because then you get that little bit of self-satisfaction when somebody tries it and goes, whoa, that's not easy. And you're like, I know, but I do it all the time and it's great. <laughs> like, you know, you get that like little like, yeah, cool, I've worked hard for this. You know, yeah. whether that is your one of your close friends who finally comes in for a class and is like, whoa. You're amazing. Yeah. I want to be like you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing in there is if you are wanting to make it look effortless, like your instructor, are you watching yourself record? Are you analyzing what you're doing? Are you looking at 
your technique? Are you getting feedback? These things are all going to help you train and try not to. We've had this conversation before mm. on the podcast. Try not to go zero to a hundred in like a year. Mm. Try not to get to your elite version in a year. Like take your time, work on the trick and really perfect the basics. Because we want you in pole for a long time. And if you're going a thousand miles an hour, well, history shows it's generally not a good thing, but it depends on your body. You might yeah. be bulletproof. And From that's a great. performance point of view as well, like I have, you know, I've watched a lot, I've been to a lot of pole competitions mm. and things over my time and I absolutely love watching people perform. If you don't do the basics well and for them to look easy, it almost doesn't matter, you know, you might smack out a spatchcock or an inverted mm. eagle or something, you know, one of these really impressive moves but if your climbs look heavy with flexed feet or, you know, whatever it is that you're working on and it doesn't look easy, then it's kind it's it throws the balance of that performance mm. out a little bit. So for me, like really continuing to work on the basics until they look easy is really important. Yeah, I agree. This is a good one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like as a student? I am lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it. I probably wasn't always a lazy student. Yeah. I think I was oh, like, lazy might even not be the kindest term for myself right now, but yeah, is that a little bit negative self-talk over yeah, there? Just a little bit whingy. Hello. Eh, I, oh. <laughs> I am it's hard because if I was to shoot it now, I'm different in the studio because I own it and I feel like I still have to set an example. What about in a you know that you're like I'm your very preferred solo. is in a private yeah, if setting. I'm in a class, like I don't really care to talk to people. So what do you like in a private lesson as a student? Oh, windy as hell. Yeah. I don't want to do it. It hurts. I know it's good for me, but I don't want to do it. It hurts. But then do you get up and do it? Yeah, I do love it. I love the feel of um, just working hard. And this is like I do – I'm the type of person who loves a hit workout or like a – like a Tabata or something mm. high intensity. Um, so I do love walking out of a class and feeling poop. So generally, yes, I would do it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm probably, it depends on the instructor. If I know the instructor well enough, I can be whingy. But I don't think if I didn't know the instructor well, I'd just get in and do it. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a, com there's a, a different, if you've got a relationship with the instructor, there's yeah. a different. I know that when Renee took me for some privates post coming back from Bob, I was oh, like. Oh, poor Renee. Like, for both of us. She's yeah, probably. pretty much at the same time. And I was like, F off. I don't want to do I'm this. not doing that. <laughs> or I'd try it and be like, no, that hurts. I'm not doing it. Find me something else to do. Yeah. I'm also like a high achiever. Mm. So I will be in the corner trying to perfect and watching and analyzing and trying to get it over. I was going to say, what's again. your learning style as a yeah. student? Yeah, my learning style as a student is like I want to perfect it. Progress, yeah. not perfection, people. Mm. Um, and that, this is probably why I got stunted in my own pole journey mm. because I sort of got to a level where my body wasn't ready to perfect the stuff I was being thrown at. Mm -hmm. I've been thrown at me, sorry. So, um, But, yeah, I am probably – I like the social element, don't get me wrong. Um, and it's great to have people in there who I know. But generally speaking, when I'm in class, I'm in class for me. So I'm Whereas I'm probably a, probably more of a loner, quiet achiever type student. Yeah. Whereas I am probably I get more 
generally out of a group setting Mm. and it's the energy of everybody else which is why I think I like instructing so much as well like I really vibe off that energy that's kind Mm. of being thrown around the room um and I also just love looking around and watching other people do it because I'm like picking what works and what doesn't work and I'm like I'm constantly kind of going, okay, what's going to work for my body? And I'm learning from everybody else and then I'm trying stuff and I'm getting down. And- I must admit, I do like that. And I took a class recently. I was just there and that day something came up and I I couldn't do my workout for the day. So I was at the studio. I'm like, I'm going to jump into this tricks class. And I found the instructor would do it. I'm like, cool. I'm going to try it once. And then I come down and then I watch everybody else. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go up again. Hmm. Getting that visual feedback. Yeah. yeah. And just figuring out, hang on, when she said leg, which leg? I would need to watch three other people to make sure it is that leg. Yeah. Give me now a- I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. So I'm that student that needs like lots of technique cues yeah. as well. So as an instructor, I try to give lots of analogies for cues. And that's yeah. because as a student, you need that. I have needed that. Yeah. yeah. Or I need tactile like I need someone to go, no, your leg makes a circle like this and like physically, physically grab my leg. And then once I've got the direction, I'm like, ah, oh. and then the cues will all start making sense. So for those of you who are not instructors, hopefully you have an appreciation for your instructors. If you look around and they've got a class of eight, nine, 10 mm. or more, you know, it's like there's probably 10 different learning styles in there. Well, there's only technically four learning styles, right? But yeah, variations. But then of. you've got like combinations of them and you've got personalities thrown in and body limitations and strength and wherever you're at. And yeah, so look, mm. your instructors and don't necessarily match their student sometimes. As yeah, an instructor, as you'll lead by, yeah. yeah. As an instructor, you'll lead by example. I remember when we brought, um, I think we got, I think we asked the team to do this, but I can't remember. It was a while ago now, but the VARC learning style. Mm. I remember Renee did it and she's like, the way I teach is different to the way I student. So I teach to cater to X, but when I student, I'm a Y. So she's like, that's really interesting. So mm. it can it can change. Um, should I do a competition? Mm. I feel like we've done a podcast episode on this like a long yeah, time Yeah, one of the very, very early ones. But this is a very common question from especially like intermediate advanced polars with all the amateur competitions or below amateur competitions mm-hmm. you can do now. There's so many more options for competitions. Yeah. Um, and look, it depends. What do you want? Like, are you just curious? Do you just want to perform and there's not performance opportunities? I know Dan Rosen went on a bit of a, mm. a, um, yeah. Not, what's the word I'm looking about for? He using, talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. About using competitions as a performance, performance rather than competing to win. Yes. Like where do you sit within that? Yeah. So everybody's mm. got their own opinion on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like what is it that you want to get out of your own whole journey? Do you just want to like push yourself or like put yourself out of your comfort zone and try something new? Do you need something to spark your, your motivation? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I love performing. I love being mm, on stage. Yep. Me too. The adrenaline that comes with it, seeing the end result, but damn training for them sometimes sucks. Oh, and there's always that point where you're like, why did I, there's probably multiple points where you're like, why did why? I do this? Why did I do this to myself again? Yeah. And then the, yeah. uh, like the post comp come down. 
Yeah, I didn't experience that too much this last round. Is that because you won? Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't know. It still feels really surreal. Okay, so you st- maybe you're still maybe I it. haven't had my post comp. Yeah, maybe it'll come. Yeah, maybe you're still in your high. Mm. Yeah, I don't know because that's real. Yes, that's yeah. a real thing. Post-comp but I didn't really so far. Maybe it's because I was sick. So yeah. maybe it comes, Maybe that was my post comp come down. Yeah. And I didn't realize because I was sick on comp day. Yeah, maybe. So I was already starting that, <laughs> that down. You weren't quite up yeah. on your high. Um, um, yeah. Like, yeah. What are your goals? Just remember competing is not for everybody. And if you're an instructor and your student does ask you this, I think it's asking them some more questions. Mm. Like, you know, coaching questions like, what are your goals? What's the grow model? What's the goals? What's the reality? Mm. What outcome do you want? What's the next step you can take? Yeah. Um, asking questions like that to help them determine whether or not competing is for them. And I, and I think just being sensible about like stepping now that there are more opportunities, mm. you know, stepping into that world, whether it's within your own studio. Yes. Um, you know, putting your hand up if your studio allows it to perform at a show night yep. solo, like test the waters rather than signing up for a massive stage comp that's only two months away. Yes. And then completely crashing because your preparation into it, like you've just gone a bit too hard too quick. Yes. So maybe try and start a little bit. Yeah. And if a you do compete, smaller. like, yeah, consider your entire training load. Um, and your lifestyle and your lifestyle sometimes not every like I would not be in a position to compete now like mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. before buying the studio I had all the extra time in the world like so and I know when people have children it obviously changes for them as well and the other thing is competing is not a cheap exercise oh, no. and I don't think everyone realizes as well the finance part of it so you've got at the very minimum Mm. you've got entry fee to the competition which is not given back to you if you don't make it in Mm -hmm. so you've got that sometimes there's an additional cost like a competitor fee competitor fee once you get in or there's no entry fee but there's a competitor fee so you need to read the fine print because that Mm -hmm. does change you've got a costume to make which will still cost money or to buy or to Mm -hmm. source or borrow or whatever You've got hair and makeup. Music cutting if you don't have the skills to cut your own music. Yeah, music cutting. Possibly a coach if you need to do private lessons or get somebody to help you choreograph or even at the very end just, you know, watch and critique and give you feedback Mm. to make improvements. Um, Some comps you buy your photos or your video post-comp. Yes. They don't just get given to you. Yeah. Yeah. or you might get like one or two, but you won't get the whole entire spread. Yep. Um, uh, nails, tanning, tan. um, anything p- like comp day preparation to like, like transport or a hotel yeah. or. Yes. Or like what the things, um, uh, double-sided nipple, tape. Yeah, nipple um, yeah. Yeah. Whatever you need. A to new keep pair your, of heels, yeah. knee pads, like. You uh, the right underwear to wear underneath uh, your shirt because yes. it's always like that last run through, and you're like, oh, none of my underwear, underwear suits. And you either no underwear or yeah. yeah, like there's a whole lot of stuff 
um, and that the higher you and go, that's just the money, not even like the time investment yes. or the mental energy. And you also, expend. it will while you'll get stronger throughout this, it will take away from your other pole training as well in mm-hmm. some capacity. Oh, studio hire, studio hire if because you, open practice. Not time everybody slots has, can work too. Like sometimes yeah. it doesn't work for you. So you, especially if you're more of a solo mm. private trainer, you don't want anyone around you while you're writing your routine. You might need to actually yeah. hire a studio. Yeah. Um, I know we did that in the very early days of our doubles training. Yeah, you guys had to. because Well, we didn't have comp poles at the studio when we first started. We didn't have 30 yeah. Um And also time-wise, we couldn't get into the studio when there was a time we could just run our own stuff. The other thing too is the way our studio is set up, our competition poles are across two rooms. So um, we, you can't, like if open practice is only in one room, you can't necessarily practice a comp routine. Yep. So well, it's not on the comp poles. No. You get creative. We do have, you get creative and you can do it in different other ways. But Which is actually good for you too. Because, we're, yeah, we're if you train. Tangent, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if, like competition does that, like are you prepared to learn all of these hard lessons? Because yeah. I will say a lot of the big lessons I've learned around getting injured and trying to finish a routine mm. while injured Um balancing pole with life or not balancing, having it swing completely pole way yeah. and, you know, sacrificing other things. Like they're all hard lessons I've learned through competing. Yes. But if you're not going into it with the mindset that there's going to be some hard lessons, it's not all going to be rosy. Yeah. Then that can be, maybe it's not for you too. Maybe. Mm. Um, just looking at where we're at mm. and the time, we might have to make this a two-parter. Oh, I might, and I just had another really good one. It's like, um, I'm just going to write this down for next time. Should I train with another instructor? Oh, 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 we're not answering it. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the hook. That's the hook. Anyway, thanks for joining me, Kat. Don't worry. She'll be back guys. We're, we've still got. Eight more questions to go. I told you this was a chat episode. I didn't lie at that point. Um, thank you for joining us today to uncover part one of questions what? we get asked as an instructor. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot, tag both myself and Kat. Her handle is at underscore polecat underscore. You guys know where I'm at, at uncovered.pd. And if you really love this episode, leave us a five-star review. I would love to hear from you. It helps the podcast grow and it helps us get into more pole dancers ears anyway until next time we'll see you soon